Welcome back to another episode of the Until Golf podcast. We have an awesome episode for you guys today. We were joined by Mr. Monday Q Info himself. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. What's up, fellas? What's up, brother? Hey, Ryan. How are you? Our, our, our first question was, uh, do, we, do we call you Mr. Monday Q or Ryan? <laughs> you can call me Ryan. <laughs> We appreciate you uh, doing this for us. Yeah, man. Hey, Thanks man. For... Glad to be on. No problem. Happy to be on. We've got the full crew here, so we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Clay Wigginton. Okay. Hey, Clay. Tyler, Tyler this... Smith. This is, this is uh, Haddon Wigginton. Awesome. You guys have been uh, killing content-wise, man. It's awesome. Keep it up. Hey, we're trying. We're trying to just follow uh, in your footsteps. You know? <laughs> it's a grind, man. It's a grind. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and... Uh, Hopefully and we'll it, have that explosive growth. And it's hard to uh, it's hard to create content in this time of time of what's going on. So true. Absolutely. That that was going to be one of my first questions. How bored are you right now? Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I mean the there's uh, good news and bad. You guys are you still recording? I mean, that's fine if you are. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, okay. we're already recording. Um, we'll just jump right in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the good news. There's good news and bad news. Good news is. Um, uh, you know, there's only a few events, but the bad news is everybody's kind of paying attention. So, yeah. um, I mean, there's pros and cons for sure. I mean, the debate about whether they should be playing is, is another, other level, but I mean, like that lot to where it continues to play, it has good fields and people are so desperate for any sort of sports content that, yeah. that people is really paying attention. So, I mean, is that that was going to be a question I had for you? Is the Outlaw Tour the only mini tour still going that you know of? Uh, I just looked the uh, Moonlight Tour. The Moonlight Tour has been around forever. It's basically a money game. Um, mm. Chris Couch, uh, who won the Zurich before, it was a team event. Uh, and there's a crazy story on that, but uh, he dominates that tour. In fact, he won three times last week. They call it a tour. It's basically a money money game. Everybody throws in like 120 bucks, and they do skins and. There's like Healthy. usually 15 well, to 17 guys, something like that. Oh, okay. Well, that's what a lot of people don't realize is that mini tours are basically just money. Right, games. right. Yeah, they're money games with somebody who's not playing, taking 20% of it. Yeah, exactly. Just, we had just, just talked, Tyler had and I just talked about that. <laughs> what? Yeah. I just wish many tours had skins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know how many times did. I shot 80 with an eagle? yeah right yeah yeah i mean uh, some do uh yeah like the minor league tour has skins i I mean moonlight tour must have skins they're like again they're basically they are the closest to i mean agreed with you guys obviously many tours are just a money anyway but the moonlight tour is as money game as it is it's just like and it's awesome feels like patrick sheehan plays in there truslow plays down there a lot of guys play down there yeah, whatever you whatever you can do to stay sharp, and get tournament ready. Exactly. Awesome. Well, um, you know, I did a little research getting ready for this, and your story's out there. You've been on several big podcasts and been articles, and now obviously you're on maybe your biggest podcast today. Yes, today. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah we're huge. Um, this is the most so, I've been for sure. This is the pinnacle. <laughs> Absolutely. This is it. Might just retire. It's only downhill from here. What was that? I said I might just retire right here. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to – you know, that's a great little uh, transition there to my question. Is it true that you had a tweet drafted 
saying you were going to shut down the account at one point? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's kind of a long story of the of the account. I mean, really, as you guys know, I, I didn't uh, – I never in a million, billion years thought I would get to this point. And then as it grew, I was trying to figure out a ways to make money. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I relate to the grind of, of many tour players more than I ever have is, like, once this became a thing and I tried to figure out how to money, I was always going to work part-time. And obviously I did for a while in the restaurant, but uh, I was going to do consulting or something like that. And then as this thing became a little bit bigger, I didn't take a job for a long time. And uh, I mean, I just couldn't figure out a way to make money. And so yeah. it was really like, Hey, I need to go back to work. And my wife had been picking up extra hours as a nurse and to, see if we could make this work and it was finally like hey i i just can't make it work so um i was gonna i literally was drafting up a tweet to like say hey sorry i can't do this anymore and uh sean martin from the pga tour called me and said hey we'd love you uh, i want to do some different stuff he was doing the monday q article uh at the time and said hey i want to get you in touch with my boss and uh literally that same week and so wow. it was it crazy? And incredible. Then, yeah. And then after that, I picked up a sponsor, awesome. that was like a mini tour recap uh, once a month. And so I've, before all this, I was kind of piecing together uh, like a, a real job. <laughs> but yeah, we've kind of started back back at square one. So, um, but it is, I mean, no one's working right now. So might as well do some content. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I, I uh, was on Twitter last night and I saw your tweet. And you mentioned something like, does anybody have any content ideas? And that's why I DM'd you and said, hey, you want to come on our podcast? Because it sounded like you were available. Yeah. I mean, like, it's so hard. I mean, I mean, all yeah, everyone's struggling. I mean, I was just looking at, like, Max Homa and Shane Bacon. Like, they were looking for ideas. And, I mean, there's just mm-hmm. – uh, luckily, you know, uh, people have just not a lot of experience with mini tours. So, um, Blue Golf – is going to get me access to e-golf. And I don't know if you guys were around to remember e-golf, but e-golf was as big as Hooters tours. I mean, they used to have, they had a series in one year. You guys will appreciate this as, as you play mini tours. They had a series that uh, in one year they had uh, three $250,000 purses and one $300,000 purse. Jeez. Oh my. Mini tour. And, uh, yeah, so you qualified. They were called majors. And they used to do – e-golf used to do a, um, a, a two-course system. And so uh, there was 240 guys in each field. And, I mean, they'd, top, they'd cut, the, I think, the top 50 or 60 or something like that. And where got 40,000, second got 18, 20. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. It was crazy. I mean – I tell the story of my dad and I used to go caddy once a year. We went down and kind of stayed in between uh, a Hooters event and an e-golf event. And there was a combined 400 players paying, playing. That's awesome. Yeah. Crazy. Do you feel like, um, do you have a sense of if there are fewer players now on mini tours or more, or if it's more spread out now yeah. versus 10 years ago, like was there a peak maybe of guys trying to make it professionally at a certain, in a certain year? I think there's more. And I think there now, and there's more talented. It's just so spread out and the tour ruined mini tours. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like the Latin American tour and mm-hmm. China yeah. and mm-hmm. Canada obviously give 
players a chance, but it ruined mini tour golf from the United States perspective. And there's obviously drawbacks. I mean, uh, you can't make money on mini tours in the United States anymore. And that's unfortunate because there was plenty of good players that played on the Hooters tour that didn't have money that only played because they were continuing to make money. Um, Mm. You know, uh, like Russell Knox doesn't come from a lot of money, but he was killing it on the Hooters tour. So he was making enough money to like keep going. And so, I mean, that's a drawback of the Latin America, you know, Latin American, Canada, Canada, China, no one's making money there really outside of like the top 10 or whatever. And so it's become more about money than it ever has before because, well, like I said, I mean, at the Hooters tour or e-golf tour level, you know, you won one tournament and played well in a couple. Yeah, I mean, you made 85 or 90 grand for the year. And so you were set mm. and those days are just over. I mean, now you win like two grand, five grand. I know there's swing thought events out there that win 25. They're, ex- and... they're experiences. They're not events. Remember? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's, oh, that's amazing. It's not a tour. I can't call it. I can't call it a tour now. They don't call it a tour. Swing thought. Uh, yeah. If you play on swing thought, uh, but I mean, you know, second is 8K or whatever, 7K. Um, so there's just no players making money so it's a it's an unfortunate drawback and it is spread out i mean there's uh me and this guy named jude who's as big a golf nerd and knows as much as anyone i know of non-pga stuff and him and i tried to name all the tours in the united states and i think we got to 27 and it's like it's so it just wasn't like that back in the day do you think do you think that has come about maybe because of like Tiger and everything and, you know, starting in yeah. like the, the late nineties and stuff, you know, yeah, and I think, I think once it got broken up, like the Hooters and the e-golf and, you know, everybody thought they could run a mini tour. Mm-hmm. And so there's always a guy who's like, Oh, I mean, there's a, there's a mini tour starting in Chicago area here. And a guy reached out to me and he's going to do like locals and he's going to have, three events going on in a day at different events. And like, everyone has a different idea of how this is going to work. And as you guys know, there's no, I mean, it works by a bunch of players showing up and paying money and them taking X percent and you guys going out. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think many tours are successful in three ways. They pay their players, they play good courses and they put on good events. And if you can do that continuously or consistently, you're going to have a successful mini tour. But there's so many out there that the, that is uh, not as easy as said it as it is that that you think it would be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, like you were saying, it used to be if you were a pretty good player, you could make a living and keep trying for the big tours. Nowadays, I feel like it comes down to trying to get sponsorship money. You know, it's friends and family who will basically sponsor you to keep you trying year after year going through Q school. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you look at the, I mean, I'll have the e-golf uh, money list here in a while, but I mean, I put out one a couple, like a couple weeks ago, there was six guys, I think on the Hooters tour in like 2011 or 2009 that made over a hundred thousand dollars. And that was like, a, wow. you know, a 20 event tour. And they had another like winter series tour and all those kind of things. I mean, like, all those guys didn't need 
family money or sponsorship, you know, they were making their own money. And so those days are just over. I mean, you can win, you know, I use Steve LeBron all the time as a, as a uh, example. I mean, he absolutely dominated the minor league tour. It's obviously a one day tour and pretty small, but I think he won like 14 or 15 times then got through final stage, you know, two years ago in 18. And I called him and he's like, oh, it's so great. I can't believe it. He's like, but I have no idea how I'm getting to the Bahamas. All my credit cards are maxed out. And, oh, man. you know, this guy that was like, if anybody was making money on mini tours, it would have been Steve. But, well, uh, you know, that's crazy. Wasn't able to do it. Very, very cool. Um, I'll transition a little into uh, I saw that you were getting ready to play in the BMW Pro. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, one of the things that I assume, I mean, the farther this goes along, obviously, looks like the BMW or if they're going to have to restructure. Yeah, there's, I got an invite. Go ahead. There's rumors that it's in October. Is what I heard oh, really? from a couple board members today. Okay. So. Yeah, that would be great. I would I love to play. I mean, uh, it would be a – I mean, I'm honored that they asked. Uh, Mike McGovern is the, is the tournament director. He's been super nice to me and – uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an unreal, it's one of those things that as this account started, like I would have never in a million years thought that I would get an invite to the BMW, but it's, yeah, well, I don't know if you know, but, um, that's, you know, from our neck of the woods, we yeah, live yeah. in Greenville, South yeah. Carolina. So Tyler plays at Thornblade and I play at the Cliffs. Oh, awesome. So we're, you guys, I have to caddy for me. Though. Have you, uh, have you heard of the Absolutely. qualifier for the BMW? No. So there's. There's an all-star program at Thornblade, and there's 10 of us that, like, okay. basically get a free membership is how yeah. it works. But it's two-day tournament, lowest all-star wins, the spot for oh. the BMW. That's sweet. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, then hopefully it don't like that's going to get moved. <laughs> yeah. My plan was actually because Tyler is one of the all-stars over there, and one of our content ideas was supposed to be in May, and I was going to go out and try to mic up oh. Tyler. And go and follow him for an entire, like the entire uh, yeah. tournament, which was two days. See if he can make. That's it awesome. Yeah, I've always had a an idea, and I I'll I'm going to do it one time. Is uh, I'm going I you know a lot of people don't care who the Monday qualifiers are if that makes sense outside of their story, but mm-hmm. like they're just names. People don't know who they are. Is I want to mic up a player and and not tell anyone who I'm caddying for, so the player is like actually himself because no matter what like you get mic'd yeah. up you turn it on and i want a player to like say you know f this or f that or whatever like, <laughs> like have a true and then have them do it anonymously because it really who it is doesn't really matter so like that was always my yeah. i always had a content idea that i'd mic up a player anonymously and, and just stream 18 holes of him doing whatever That's brilliant i love that that would be awesome. I always, I told Tyler and Haddon, I said, if, if I make it into a, a PGA Tour event, I'm going to beg to have a Because <laughs> you talk about some exposure, you know, you'd get so much exposure because they could pick up they some They definitely moments. need their list of lawyers if they mic me up, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've caddied for a couple guys that that's what I'm saying. It's like we'd have to do it anonymously yeah. because <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't put half the stuff on there for sure. That's awesome. So my question is, how how good of a player are you actually? Uh, I mean, guys, I used to I used to be pretty good. Um, so I played junior college golf, 
And then I tried to walk on at Michigan State, and that was kind of like my moment of like, okay, I'm going to be the number 10 man on a five-man team. So, uh, yeah. I mean, at one time I was, you know, like a one or two, uh, but kids and life gets in the way. I haven't played more than uh, five or six rounds a year for the like the last seven or eight years. Um, I mean, there's parts of the game that is still there, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I was hoping this year to, like, actually play getting ready for the BMW. And hopefully if it gets moved to October, I'll have some time to, like, get in shape. But uh, And I've told, since this account has started, uh, if you want to measure your game, do not play with pro golfers all the time as you guys are and, and know how good you guys are. It's like, I, uh, I went out and shot, like, 78 <laughs> – at a course down here, but I played with two pros and one shot 66 and one shot 64. It's like, it's, uh, it was a little rough to measure your game against those guys. I need to go play with like a 20 handicapper. Well, you can play with me anytime. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make, <laughs> I'll make you feel real good. Trust me. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, all right. So you transitioned from playing golf to more caddying. And I was just kind of wondering um, if you have any great, caddy stories or go to yeah, caddy stories. I'll tell uh, one because I've heard some story. I, I've kept this story kind of like to myself. I'm breaking it here on uh, Until Golf is uh, oh, that, that makes me so happy. So uh, I caddied for Ryan Yip uh, at Q School, second stage in uh, Nevada. Uh, and so we became like friends and I, I caddied for him in Canadian Tour when he won. And he invited me to Q school. And then he invited me out to a web event that was near his house, uh, Corn Ferry, used to be web, at Saboba. And we got uh, we got uh, paired with Alex Chaka. I just tweeted about it today that I stood up the bag in the first hole. And his caddy came over and said, if that falls during my guy's putting, <laughs> we're going to have trouble. So I was like, oh. <laughs> so, like, put it down. Anyway, Alex was struggling as – I mean, I've been around some pro golfers. He was struggling as as bad as I've ever seen a pro golfer struggle, like hitting duck hooks. He was just in a bad place. He went through a huge slump. I don't know if you guys remember, but that was part of it. And uh, on 18, there was water in front. We had hit it over right, and we were waiting to, for the green to clear. It cleared. Alex was first. He hit it in the water in the front of the green. He just started walking towards the green on his way to the green, kind of like dropped it half, like half hearted, took a wedge out, hit it up on the green, kind of one handed, carried the wedge up, like hockeyed it into the hole. We're still back in the fairway, picked the ball out of the hole and walked to the parking lot. And <laughs> Brian and I were like, what just happened? <laughs> and oh, uh, what? Yeah. obviously did That's not come crazy. back the second day. So how do you, what, how many people are in the group? Wow. It was three. It was a threesome, and how do you I like can't remember the other scorecards then, though? <laughs> so I don't <laughs> remember exactly what happened after that. I don't know if he left it or we had to figure it out. I don't really know. I don't remember what happened, but I was so <laughs> like Ryan and I were like, "Did that just really happen?" And uh, That's yeah, crazy. That was uh, and now he's playing an outlaw event. That's what reminded me of the story. <sighs> wow. Yeah, he used to be. I mean, he was top fifty in the yeah. world, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I like. I mean, as a golf nerd, it was so cool because like it was two thousand twelve, I think. So he had already done 
a lot of, you know, I mean, he was a, a pretty mm-hmm. big name. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. tons of European tour wins. I mean, he was for a long time. So it was really cool to play with him. And then, I mean, he was in a bad, bad place. And uh, I'm sure you guys have been through some some bad stretches and it's no fun. So it, it, he didn't talk a lot. He was not a jerk by any means. He was nice, just super quiet. And uh, yeah, that happened on 18. I was like, what? It's <laughs> crazy. I feel like the difference is I feel sometimes I feel like I yeah. live in that bad place. I'm just trying to find my way out. <laughs> but I saw you quote it. One of your quotes that I uh, heard in a podcast was um, that you said you could play a round of golf with Phil Mickelson and then you could play with a really good mini tour player and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, I think. So I guess. Go ahead. Goes, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it could go the other way as well, right? Like in this story with Alex Cheka, he's from the top to the bottom. Yeah, I think that the fine line of making it and not making it is, I mean, like, I remember during that round going, like, I can't believe this guy, you know, has won multiple tour events and this is the place he's at. Not that, like, I didn't know players could get there, but to watch it live is just, I mean, it's the the line of, of being really good and, and all of a sudden like crashing down to earth is, is not, not too far. I mean, you know, we've seen like Brendan Todd go through it and those kind of things. It's like, I, I just saw it live. And when a guy who was ranked, you know, I don't know how he was ranked, but he was in the top 25, I'm sure at one point, uh, you know, hitting duck hooks 180 yards into the left trees time after time was like, Whoa, this is, uh, this is the guy who's like super lost. Man. Yep, I feel like that's what keeps us coming back to to golf because you're, you know, when you've got the Monday keys and everything, you're one good yeah. week away, you know, from from being on the big stage. Yeah, I mean, he won a PGA Tour event after that. You know, he came, he went like, wow. I mean, he, I don't know when he won, like seventeen probably, but you know, came all the way back again and won again. So, huh. like, I just he's been through he's been through. Some I just things. looked it up. He was number uh, thirty three in the world at one point. 2003 2003. and he had a he had a five shot lead in the final round um of the players in 2009 oh my god i do remember that that too yes is he from germany or something yep okay yes a few um so okay you've got a lot of caddy experience and i was going to ask you in that direction uh you know what makes a good caddy i i mean you know, because Haddon, Haddon's my, sure. my little brother, and, and uh, he caddies for me sometimes. <laughs> <and he's not. laughs> uh, I mean, I think, like, first of all, when I first caddied, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Not that I have a ton of, like, experience, but, I mean, I've done a lot more of that. I, I think it's really about uh, – I'll tell a couple of stories, like, to kind of, like, as I learn. But you got to know when to push and when to pull. Uh, I think it's more of – like every pro golfer knows how far the hole is and carry distance. They like just want the caddy there for reassurance to say like 160 or whatever. But I think like when a guy's having a tough stretch or when he's having a good stretch, when to say like, Hey, let's keep it going or Hey man, just take a minute on this tee or whatever. I'll use Ryan Yip again. He was struggling in, uh, at, at that same event, Saboba and uh, we're on 15 of the first day. And he was just like frustrated and like, and I was like, Hey man, we got a lot of holes left. Let's get it going. And I didn't mean a lot of holes left 
today, but I meant like in a 72 hole mm-hmm. event. Right. But he took it as like, mm-hmm. Hey, what do you mean? We're on 16. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, what the hell are you <laughs> yeah. talking about? We're on 16. Why didn't you say that? You know, four <laughs> holes earlier. Good point. You know, uh, I could have said it. Yep. So four holes earlier. So it's, it's, uh, knowing when to, you know, shut up and when to like push the guy, even if he's going to get a little pissed on you, pissed at you, uh, <laughs> it, you got to feel the moment out. And sometimes you're right. And sometimes you're wrong. Haddon knows about the push pull yep. number eight at Columbia. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. I, about, I about killed you. Did What's you get, story? did you get cussed out? Uh, oh, you didn't get cussed out, but I was, I was mad. Recap, recap that for us, Tyler. What happened? I don't know what you said when I was over the ball, but oh. we were arguing over whether oh, yeah, I should yeah, yeah. hit like an eight or a nine. Okay. I remember and I'm now. like, I pulled it, I pulled the trigger really fast. Okay. If when I, when I get into a shot, oh, yeah. I'm pulling the trigger because, okay, let's, we don't want to know where my mind goes if I think over the ball. You're not over the ball. I didn't say anything while you're over the ball. What happened was number eight at Columbia <laughs> is a short. What is it like 170 par three or something? That's pretty short. Yeah. Water all on the left, and the pins tucked on the left. And so I just told Tyler, I said, just aim at the middle of the green. If it draws, fine. If it goes straight, we'll have a 30 foot or whatever. But you know, you don't have to feel like you have to, you know, draw this one over there or whatever. And so then he steps up me at that <laughs> and shakes it like one of the purest shakes I've ever heard, like a hundred <laughs> yards right of the of the flag. You said don't go left as I was on the ball. <laughs> no, I did not. No you did not. Say I, think I, have I have another what? story. I have another good caddy story I just thought of, which is like it was terrible at the time because of all the circumstances. But um, we're on 18 at Dayton Valley. It's the final day of second stage. And this guy, I think his name is James Drew. He was a, like a lifer, but like very talented. We're on 18. We're in the final group of the day, and, like, two guys, us, Ryan, and uh, a guy named Nick Mason, who's forever, like, we're obviously safe. Uh, But this guy, James, is struggling a little bit. So, like, always some debate about what the number is and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, he stands up on 18, which is uh, a par five at Dayton Valley and left water left and stuff. And so, he goes, uh, what do you think the number is? And everybody's talking about it. And his caddy said, you should be fine as long as you don't hit it in the water. Oh, my word. <laughs> and, oh, my God. Like, everybody just went dead silent. Like, oh, shit. You know, you shouldn't. Have, that's the last thing you want to say. And, of course, he blocked it, you know, 40 yards right. Now, he was fine, but and he got through. But it was uh, – that moment was like, oh, boy. That is not what to say. Yeah, everybody knew it. <laughs> it was like – or maybe he knew it as the words I don't were leaving think his he mouth. Did. He like he had picked it. out I mean, as Q school happens a lot, like I think it was a high school kid who was like he was a good player, just had no idea how to mm. get it. And so uh, I mean he did he did well and fine throughout the whole day, you know, throughout the four days. But you know, he just you don't know wow. like that's just what he thought. I think, he said it. Uh Bob Rotella, he's like a sports yeah. psychologist or whatever, and he said your yep. mind doesn't understand the word don't. So if you're thinking don't hit it in the water, the only thing your mind is hearing is hit it in the water. Yeah. And it's so true. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, Ryan and I, I remember staying over to the side with Ryan, and he's like, this is going two ways. He's like, you know, it's going yeah. dead in the water. Exactly. Or it's going 50 <laughs> yeah, exactly. yards right. 
yeah. <laughs> and it's easy to like have a yeah, laugh when like Ryan there. was playing well and we were mm-hmm. totally fine. But I mean, he was right. It was fifty yards right. Have you ever said something that that got you in big trouble? Like your caddy yelled at you. I, I know Haddon um, had the putt that time he caddied for me last year, and I had like a two foot yeah, I had like a two foot putt maybe to tap in, and uh, you know I didn't go through my routine or anything. I was just gonna go tap it in, and Haddon goes. Why don't you mark that? Just go ahead and mark that. And he tried to get me to calm down. And I just went up and tapped it anyways and missed it. And I was like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? And I got so mad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this one is like more serious. And it was it's not a lot of – it was no fun at all. Ryan in that same web event. A lot of stuff happened in that now that I tell the stories. But, like, Ryan was way out of it and then uh, of making the cut. And then the last day, the last nine holes, he went like eagle, birdie, birdie to like get right on the cut line. And like the cut was like, yeah, the course was really hard. And so like the cut was like plus four. So to go like 405 holes was ridiculous. Mm. We get to this par three and uh, uh, it's over water and the wind starts to kick up a little bit. And he's like, do you think it's plus five? And I was like, yeah, I think it's plus five. And he, I mean, he dunked it right in the water and, you know, it's probably plus seven or eight or 10. I mean, it was close. Um, and I mean, he didn't cuss me out. He was very nice, but like, I mean, it was as bad as a caddy can mm. feel. Uh, you know, he felt terrible and whatever, but it, I mean, there's, you know, these guys are yeah, playing for crazy. their livelihood. So, uh, yeah. you know, it was, it was no fun. And we missed the cut by mm. one. Yeah, it's too bad, you know, like I feel like the whole reason you started the account really shows the point that the best stories aren't at the top level yeah. of this game. And you wish you could have yeah. the cameras out there for those kind of moments where you're talking about someone's livelihood and not whether they're going to yeah. be, you know, buying another yeah, I mean, or something. Yeah, I mean, and Ryan is a great example. I mean, he's got a, a family and I, I've talked to him a few times. He's very happy. He's now the assistant. He retired last year. Um you know, he's now the assistant coach at, at Kent State, so he's got a good job. But, you know, you look back at that and you go, you know, did that mm-hmm. change his career? You know, did that miscut? Uh, you know, does it get you on a roll to come back like that? And then you go in and, you know, with a different attitude and uh, those kind of things. So if he had mm-hmm. made that cut and then went on, it's it, it's happened a million times. I mean, Max Homa is a great example. He made, you know, played that back nine in Portland – and like seven under to get his card or stay in the mm-hmm. top seventy five by like six bucks. Now he's a PGA That's Tour right. winner and top hundred in the world. And you know it's there's such a slim margin between being back at Q school and being a PGA Tour winner. And I don't something I've heard is yeah. like I don't even know if this well, was necessarily a PGA Tour player. I think it might have been even a NBA player. But he said like what he experiences isn't pressure. Like you know like the mom who's trying to provide for a family and stuff like that. Yep. And it's the same situation where, you know, like these guys that nobody hears about, you know, like we just said, they're playing for their lives, you know? And obviously the PJ yep. tours, you know, those guys are, ex- I can't imagine how much pressure they're under, but it's almost, it's almost different, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, that's why I say it all the time. It's like, if I had my choice, between opposite field and event and a WGC. Listen, I'm a golf fan. doesn't mean I don't like Dustin or I don't hold anything against him or Tiger. I love those guys. Uh, but 
you see life-changing wins not very often on the PGA Tour, like Justin wins or Rory wins or Tiger wins. Like, doesn't change their life mm-hmm. any bit. Uh, but you know, like Jim Herman last year, like had missed two of or like 24, 26 cuts, and then one Barracuda, the opposite field event. Like that's life-changing. Gets to play on the PGA Tour mm-hmm. for two more years. All those things, and same with the Corn Ferry. Basically, week after week, those guys have grinded forever, and you know, a win basically secures them a spot on the PGA Tour next year. It's like, I mean, Scott Harrington, Vince Cavello, those guys were out there for 15, 16 years each without ever getting to the PGA Tour, and then one last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, and now our PGA Tour members and. Those are life-changing wins, and that's that's why I like to focus on this side of golf because I think it it is what a lot of casual golf fans mm. don't see. So, fe- feeding off of I that, do. what do you think the Go tour ahead. is going to do with the guys that are in that that were kind of waiting for the first reshuffle and stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things floating around. I guess they're going to. I just read right actually as I was waiting to jump on here. Is there? Uh, going to put out a tentative schedule on Monday. Okay. Uh, I've heard from a se- like, I've heard from a semi-reliable source that there's not going to be no Monday qualifiers. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't think anyone knows. But that's mm-hmm. definitely in the discussion. I mean, and I understand it from some respects is you got to get guys who have status as many starts as they can if they're going to compound. Uh, you know, try to condense this into one season. Uh, I've heard opposite field events is going to happen a lot. Um, but I, I, I'm, I think as this goes longer, I think you're just going to see people roll over to 2021, but we'll see. Mm. I hope there can be golf and sooner rather than later. I'm getting to the point where I just want to get 40 players together and everybody just put in 500, you know, just get something going. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think from a much bigger perspective, like sports is a very important part of our society. So I hope that they figure out a way to do something for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll ask, uh, let's do one more question and we'll let you go. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice for us as many tour players, as guys that are hope- hopefully working. Towards yeah. I mean, uh, I always think that uh, it's never, I think that guys feel pressure to go to Q school or go to Canada or go to China or go to Latin America. And I think that if you look back and see ta- there's plenty of talented players who just ran out of money and not ran out of talent. So don't feel pressure to go to these big events or go to Q school. If you're not ready, uh, money ends a lot of, a lot of pro careers. So play in what you feel comfortable until you can go to the next level. Uh, you know, five grand to play in Q school. If your game's not ready, it's kind of pointless. It just prevents you from playing, you know, seven, eight, ten mini tour events that might make you better in the long run. So uh, keep grinding. Sounds like somebody sounds like advice coming from somebody who loves Monday <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just so yeah. I like it. Um, all right. Well, Brian, we really appreciate you coming on. That's that's awesome that you Guys. did that for us. And uh, we yeah, really I, it. same here, man. And uh, keep putting out the good content and uh, keep playing well. And, and uh, I appreciate you having me appreciate on. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.
Thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks again to Ryan for joining us. We had an awesome time. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at UntilGolf and be looking for more content from us in the future. Thanks for listening.